Psalm 130. <clears throat> I was uh, thinking about the Ukraine. I was talking to one of my colleagues last week, and um, <clears throat> I know she is from the Ukraine, and uh, I was asking her the first thing on our, our meeting, it was a one-on-one meeting, <clears throat> and I said, how are you doing with all of this going on in your home country? And it was, she was very open and honest about how, di- you know, just sad and how difficult it is uh, for her to be watching this because there are loved ones and families still there. And I just said, you know, it's very hard not to watch, to watch the news and not have tears in your eyes by watching all this. And I was just watching this segment on the news before the meeting started. Um, and <clears throat> I said, you know, I, of course, you'd never heard of these cities before and these places in, in Ukraine until it's on the news all the time. So I said, you know, I said, I just saw this city being bombed, and it's called, it's Kharkiv. And I said, the sadness and oh, how just terrible it is to see those poor people. And she said, Jim, that's my hometown. She says, that's where I was born and raised, and that's where all, that's where all of my extended family are. And I went, wow. I just said, wow, what a connection that was. And so I told her that I'd be praying for her, even though she has expressed uh, openly expressed to me that they've never been spiritual. There's no religious history in their family at all. But she thanked me for uh, just remarking about the pain in our hearts. And so uh, it's amazing how what kind of ministry we may be able to have for people just by sharing in their pain and their suffering. So um, we're very much connected in this world uh, more than we know. I've purchased a book called Journey of the Cross by Paul Tripp, and it is a Lenten devotional, which of course now we're in the season of Lent, which started several days ago. And so this is what I'm going to read for you today. We're going we're to read uh, Paul Tripp's, uh, one of his daily devotions, uh, but it's based upon his recommendation is to read Psalm 130, and I will do that. So let me pray before I read. Heavenly Father, we pray that these words that you have given to us by the pen of your saints, that Lord, as we read them, we will realize that these are your words for our heart and our minds, that these are the food that we need to hear, I mean, eat, and, and the words we need to hear every day as much as possible. So we thank you for giving us this time to be able to read it and hear from you. And we pray that you'll bless us both with it and with your servant's devotion this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his hope, in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, 
For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Okay, I'm going to pull up a stool and I'm going to be reading, so I'm not going to be animated, so I don't need to be standing up. (laughs) (laughs) He says, "When when the shadow of the cross hangs over us, we are not surprised by sin, and we are not afraid to look at what has already been forgiven. My sins seem to sneak up on me again like a stalker jumping out of behind the bushes. I was unprepared, but why? I was surprised, but I shouldn't have been. The instant changed changed the, the instant change in my thinking, desires and emotions was shocking. I got angry in a situation where my anger was unexpected. Instead of wanting to serve, I suddenly wanted to win, to be affirmed as right. My voice got louder, my tone got sharper, and my face reddened. My ability to communicate turned from a tool of help to a weapon of offense. I said unkind things and other things in an unkind way. At that moment, I was a self-appointed king. The universe shrunk to the size of my desires, and all I wanted was for my will to be done. And as I was sinning, I was already erecting self-atoning arguments that would make my sin acceptable to my conscience. But it wasn't long before remorse came and by God's grace, confession followed. Open your heart to what I'm about to say next. My story is your story too. Whether you're standing in the teenager's, your teenager's bedroom, sitting with your computer on your lap, plodding through work, or rushing through the grocery store, sin creeps up on you and seizes you. Before you know it, you're in its hold. Later, you look back with regret. Tell yourself that you'll do better next time, only to get kidnapped again, a little further down the road. This is the sadly repeating drama all of us are living between the already and the not yet. This is why it is important to dedicate a season of every year to sit under the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ once again. Under the shadow of the cross, sin doesn't surprise us anymore, doesn't depress us anymore, and doesn't move us to deny or defend. Under the shadow of the cross, we remember who we are and what it is that we are dealing with. Under the shadow of the cross, we are required to admit that the greatest enemy we face is not the difficulty or maltreatment from without, but the enemy of sin within. Under the shadow of the cross, we quit pointing fingers and begin crying out for help. Under the shadow of the cross, we we are reminded that we are not in this battle alone. In fact, that there we admit that we have no power whatsoever to battle on your own under the shadow of the cross we get our sanity back admitting who we are and what it is that we are so desperate that we so desperately need the shadow of the cross is a place of peace and a protection that can be found nowhere else let the shadow of the cross be your teacher 
Number one, the shadow of the cross teaches us who we are. We all need to stop again and again and let the cross remind us of who we are and in reminding us to humble us anew. We do tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Here's what happens to many of us. When we first come to Christ, we are very aware of our sin, and therefore we carry with us a constant desire for God's help. But as saving grace gets our lives in order, and we are following, we are following, fellowshipping, and obeying, we begin to let go of, what sense we, of, of the sense of need. We begin to think of ourselves as okay. And in one sense we are, because our salvation is sealed once and for all. On the other hand, as long as sin still lurks inside of us, we are not okay and are still in constant need of redeeming grace. Sitting under the shadow of the cross shatters the delusion that we are free of the need of what originally brought us to Jesus, divine grace. Number two, the shadow of the cross teaches us what we need. The cross powerfully reminds me that I need much more than situational, relational, financial, or physical change. The cross is the ultimate diagnostic. It actually accurately puts its finger on the ultimate disease and then offers the only reliable cure. Accurate diagnosis is always necessary for there, is to, be, for there to be real, lasting cure. Bad diagnosis will prevent cure from happening. Your inner lawyer, your, your friends, your culture may tell you that your biggest problem is not you. And that may tell you that all you need is to, do, is to move or quit or find new friends or get a new job or make more money. But each one of those is a misdiagnosis. These things will not treat the disease that has you in its grip. Only grace can do that. The cross preaches that sin is our problem and that rescuing, forgiving, transforming, and delivering grace is the only medicine that will provide the cure we all need. Number three, the shadow of the cross teaches us who God is. The cross tells us that God is unrelenting mercy. It is amazing to think that he would control all the things that he needed to control so that Jesus would arrive on that awful cross as an acceptable sacrifice for our redemption. The cross preaches God's saving zeal, his boundless love, his willingness to unleash his almighty power and unlimited sovereignty to draw rebels to himself. The cross teaches us that God doesn't look at sinners with disdain or disgust, but with generous and tender love. The cross teaches us that we do not have to clean ourselves up to come to God. We only need to come in humble confession. The cross teaches us that when we sin, God does not greet us with a sentence of condemnation, but with a reminder once again of the completeness of his pardon. The cross allows unholy people to look in the face of a holy God and have hope. Number four, 
The shadow of the cross teaches us what God offers us. The cross teaches us that God offers us one thing that no other person or thing can. He offers us the grace of forgiveness. He offers us the grace of welcome into relationship with Him. He offers us the grace of personal transformation. He offers us the grace of a new identity and new potential. He offers us the grace of a glorious and fully secured destiny. Yes, it is true, he offers us grace upon grace. Number five, the shadow of the cross teaches us how we should live. The cross teaches us that we should live humbly wise. It's foolish and prideful to be unprepared for the battle with sin. Unpreparedness denies all that the cross teaches us about who we are and what we need. The cross teaches us that we need to pray for eyes to see and hearts that are attentive to the enemy's temptations and sins and lies. The cross teaches us to be humble, humbly ready and to start every day with cries for divine rescue and strength. Number six, the shadow of the cross gives us hope and courage. The cross teaches us to be unafraid to admit and confess sin, not because we are powerful or capable, but because Jesus is the victor. And there is nothing that we will ever face inside or outside us that exists outside the circle of the completed victory of the cross. I can face my sin without depression or panic because he battled for me and won and continues to do so. It really is a good thing to sit under the shadow of the cross for a season to consider, confess, and rest once again. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the heart of this man whom you have redeemed and changed and transformed. Thank you for his honesty, his openness. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've given us to be able to see the ugliness of our nature, see the ugliness of who we are as people. And yet, Lord, to see that restores in us a dignity that you placed upon the image bearer. That you have given us a new sense of dignity, not only of ourselves, but the dignity of looking at each other. And then, Lord, even at the world who wants nothing to do with you. So, Lord, thank you for restoring, and not only restoring, but giving us a sense of identity that is even greater than Adam's. That you've given us now, bearing the image of your Son, transforming us day by day, moment by moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Father, for this plan for my life and for the lives of those who are here today. Thank you, Jesus, for accomplishing that for us. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of the Father, the exact and permanent and perfect radiance 
of the Father's love for us. As you said to us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And thank you, Father, for send, and Jesus, for sending and giving us the Holy Spirit so that we can be moved by these words that we've read in Psalm 130, that we can find them speaking to us where there was a time when we would not have felt that we even needed to hear this kind of language. And that now we embrace it and we feel the weight of under, being underneath it. And yet, Lord, we feel the release, we feel the pardon, we feel the joy. We are reminded that nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, you know what kind of sinners we are. And Jesus, you died for us in spite of it. So, Lord, as we think of this season of Lent, as we hear these terrible stories, as we think of the betrayal of everyone across the board, Lord, even as, you, as Jesus felt that from you on the cross, we realize, Lord, that you are sovereign, you are holy, you are good, you are perfect. And thank you for giving us Jesus who lived that and spoke it every moment of every day of his life. And Jesus, thank you for living continually for us as you and the Holy Spirit intercede for us as we find ourselves unable to even pray and to even speak because we are so ashamed at even the depth of our sin at this place of our life, at this stage of our walk with you. Oh, Father, thank you for forgiveness but thank you for the shame and guilt that you've given to us when we do sin. It is not a terrible thing. It is a good thing. So thank you, Lord, as we look upon the cross, this terrible event, that we realize that as we look on the other side, that your word tells us that in spite of the cross, you saw us, Lord, on the other side, and you continued to die for us and to live for us and intercede for us. So thank you, Lord, that you are the very anchor of our souls. And we pray that you would bless us with your presence and with an anointing again of your Spirit upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.